say we are starting a brand new series, and I'm I'm super excited. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm very excited about the opportunity to start a brand new series. I, I consider that an honor and a privilege, um, especially because of this. When we do these kind of character studies, they have a way of bringing a realness to Bible characters. Because I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes when I look at these Bible characters, they just seem to be so grand, and, and, and the stuff that they accomplished was so big. And, and sometimes their stories are just so crazy that it sort of separates you from the Bible character. Does anybody ever feel that way sometimes? Like you, you look at what these, these men and women accomplished, you look at what they did, and it creates this distance. It creates this distance from, from maybe what they accomplished. But the truth is that when we do these character studies, it brings a human element back to these people because they have made mistakes like you and I make mistakes. They have family drama like you and I have family drama. They have uh, uh, worries, just like you and I have worries. They have insecurities, just like you and I have insecurities. So, so, so our hopes are, as we study specific characters, that we can look at them and realize, you know what, they're, they're kind of like me. They, they, they go through the same things that I go through. And just by looking at their lives and studying their lives, we get the opportunity to learn from them. You know, I heard once said that uh, a smart person learns from their own mistakes, but a wise person learns from other people's mistakes. Now, with these characters, with these biblical people, if you will, we can absolutely learn from their mistakes and we can learn from their successes, especially a guy like Joseph. See, because Joseph lived a very interesting life, and, and throughout his life, he was constantly bombarded with these ups and downs, these different tests in life. And at a very young age, Joseph was given a dream. Now, I don't know if, if everyone in here grew up in church or if everybody knows the story of Joseph. I'll, I'll give you what you need to know today. But even if you don't know the story of Joseph... The beginning of his life at a very, very young age, he was literally given a dream by God. And in this dream, he was shown what his life was going to look like on the back end. In his dream, he was shown how successful he was going to be. In his dream, he was shown the position of power that he was going to have. Now, here's what I know about you. That although some of you or, or, or most of us in here have never had a prophetic dream given to us, and if you have, I completely believe in that stuff, and I think it's wonderful, and I think that's great. Hold on to that. But I've never had that. And, and, I don't, and I would guess that most of us have never had a dream given to us while we were sleeping by God. But here's what I do know about us, is that each one of us has a dream. Each one of us has a vision. Each one of us has a goal. Each one of us has what we believe God has given us and put on our heart. Think about your families. Think about what you want out of your career. Think about what you want out of your education. Think about where you see yourself in the future. You believe that God has plans for you. And I'll just, uh, I'll just take the mystery away. 
I can guarantee each and every one of you that God has created you with a purpose. God has created you with a purpose in this life, with multiple purposes in this life. Purpose for your family, a purpose for, for, for your work, a purpose who, who you're going to affect. And some of us already have glimpses of what our purpose is. Some of us already know what this looks like. The problem is this, is that a lot of times on the way to our purpose and on the way to fulfilling our God-given dream, what we believe God has put on our hearts, we go through some stuff. <laughs> we had the easiest amen right there. We go through some tests. We go through something, and that's exactly what happened to Joseph. You see, he was given a dream at the young age of about 17 years old. And not long after he was given this dream, his life seemed to have taken a U-turn in the complete opposite direction. I mean, it, it was literally a 180 and went the other way. Have any of you ever felt like you were on your way to what God had for you? And it was like life ran you over and drove off with your girlfriend. I mean, literally just took off and went. The, uh, your life did a 180 and went the opposite direction of what you believed God had for you. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, God, what is going on? Like, I, God, I thought you and I had an agreement. I thought we, God, I believe in you. I thought we had some plans for our life. I thought we had an understanding. How come my life is going this way, and yet my, 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 my vision for what you have for me is going this way? That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Now, we are going to look at one specific test that he went through, and we're going to call it the pit test. And if you feel like you're right now in a pit of life, just in a pit of life. And just watching Joseph go through this test, we could hopefully draw some principles and we could hopefully learn some things to get us out of this pit. But before we go any further, I need to give you some context and some, and, and some backstory. Joseph was essentially the 11th boy out of 12 brothers. That's a large family right there. That's 12 kids. All right. Now, his brothers, what you need to know about Joseph and his brothers, his brothers absolutely hated him. All right. So his brothers absolutely hated him. They hated him for two reasons. One of the reasons that they hated him was because of his dream. See, what I didn't mention earlier was that the dream that Joseph had was essentially him ruling over his brothers. It was essentially him in a position of power. Now, how many of you are younger siblings? I see my brother right there. How many of you are my, my little brother who's got about 40 pounds of muscle more than I do? How many of you are younger siblings? Now, just imagine what that might do to you, like how, how much that might annoy, uh, annoy you that your youngest little brother is given this dream that he is essentially going to have power and rule over you. Like that would, that would bother you a little bit, right? So his brothers, all of his brothers, he only had one younger brother than him. The rest of them were older. His brothers hated him for this. The second reason that they hated him, and I didn't mention this earlier, was that Jacob, the boy's father, favored Joseph. Like I know, I, I know parents, you know, today it's politically incorrect to play favorites, but back then, I mean, it was laid out 
that Joseph was the favorite boy. As a matter of fact, he was given a coat of what we call a coat of many colors. And it was literally a coat that was colorful. But what it represented was that, Joseph, you are my favorite son. Every time that you wear this, everybody's going to know that you are the favorite. Imagine what that would do to the rest of the boys. Like, uh, imagine what kind of feeling like that, that elicited. All right. So, so this is where we start the story. And, and this is the beginning of Joseph in the pit. The Bible says in Genesis... Um, it says that Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. And what I need to mention about that is this, is that Jacob just before this said, Hey, Joseph, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go out and just check on your brothers. I want you to go out just report back to me when you find them. They're out in the fields working. They're out doing their thing. They're, they're, they're hustling for me. But I want you, obviously Joseph isn't with them. He's the favorite, right? So he's at home in the air conditioning. And so the boys are out there working. And so he goes, Hey, Joseph, do me a favor. Go check on your brothers. And this is where we pick up the story. Verse 18. Now they, all his brothers, saw him afar off. Even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, I I know that some of you might have some family drama, but um, anytime you're in a moment of family drama, just just think of this verse right here. I, I hope and pray that your 11 brothers are not conspiring to kill you. Okay, just, just let that put it in perspective. I know we have some crazy families, but hopefully this puts it in perspective. So we pick it up, verse 19. Then they said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. Just, just imagine how annoyed they are right now. Look, the dreamer is coming. I mean, that's, that's their nickname for him. It's like, I'm sick and tired of Joseph's dream. It's annoying the heck out of me. I just I can't stand it. Look, the dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what we will become of his dreams. So not only are they conspiring to kill him, they're coming up with their alibi. They're all together. They're putting the story together. Like, okay, look, you go tell dad a wild beast ate him. We're going to spread some blood on this coat. We're going to make it look good. We're going to sell this story. So this is a situation that he finds himself in. But Reuben, ironically enough, the oldest boy, Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Thank you, Reuben. I appreciate that. That was very sweet of you. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. All right, so Reuben comes up with an alternative. It's not the best alternative, but at least Joseph gets to live at this point. And do not lay a hand on him that we might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers and pay very close attention. And they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water. So picture this. Joseph is given a dream at 17. And in this dream, He sees himself ruling over his brothers. In addition to that, he has his coat, which represents how much he is the favorite. It represents the favor that is on his life. And in a moment, in a moment, his life takes a complete one. 
80. Because he's got to be thinking right at this moment. I mean, he's in the air-conditioned house. He's going to go check on his brothers. He's got to be thinking, you know what? Life is good. In fact, dad wants me to go check on my brothers. My whole dream of ruling over them, it's already happening. It kind of sounds like that, right? Like, it, like it's already happening. Like, dad's going to go send me to go check out, uh, check out how they're doing, and, and life is good. My dream is already coming true. I'm only 17. I'm about to knock out this dream in, like, two weeks. Like, we're good, right? So that's what he's thinking as he's going to check on his brothers. And in an instant, he is stripped of his favor. He is stripped of the very coat that represents how much of a fa- uh, the favorite he is, and he is thrown into a pit by the very men who he is supposed to rule over. Imagine what is going through his mind at this point. Imagine the thoughts of, God, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did this happen to me? How could you let this? I thought we had a deal, God. Now, a lot of you have been in a situation where you're looking at life and you're asking yourself, you're, you're asking yourself, you're asking God, you're asking, how in the world, God, did you let this happen? How could I have ended up in this situation? My life has gone the exact opposite direction. Now, Joseph is going to give us some insight and teach us how to work our way out of the pits of life. And the very first thing I want you to learn to make a habit of. All right. I want this when you're at the low points in life, when things are just going wrong, the walls are just closing in on you. The eviction notice is on the door. The car is getting repoed. You got to go pick up the kids from jail. You got to do every when life is closing in on you and you are just at the bottom of the pit. I want you to make this a habit. But before I go any further and before I tell you what the first step is, I need to say something really quickly. I do not for a second pretend to know what any of you have gone through at the hands of other people. Okay, let me just make that very, very clear. I do not. And when I say this next phrase, I do not for a second pretend to know what any of you. I cannot imagine some of the stuff that you guys have gone through at the hands of some other people. Okay, I'm just I'll be honest. I'm just some young punk kid trying to teach the Bible this morning. Okay, so before before I go into this next one, I just want to lay that out there. I do not pretend for a second to know. But when we're in the pit of life, this is the first thing that we should do. We should ask ourselves the question, what did I do to contribute to me getting in this pit? What did I do to contribute to me getting in this pit? And and, and I know that sounds harsh. I know that does because a lot of you have gone through some things just like Joseph did. His brothers did something that was terrible. His brothers did something that was awful. They physically were going to take his life. All right? So he was in a situation where people hurt him. And it was in that moment that he could have very easily looked around him and started blaming other people. It was in that moment that he, I mean, he, he had all 11 of his brothers to blame for why he was in the pit, right? I mean, he, he, had, he, had, he had Reuben, he had Judah, he had uh, Michael, Marlon, and Tito. He had all of his brothers who he could blame. He knew exactly whose fault it was. And our temptation is to start looking around in our lives and start, okay, whose fault is this? 
Why am I in the pit? Whose fault is it that I'm in the pit? But the very first, see, this is what I can tell you. This is what successful people do is they make it a habit to ask themselves, what did I do to contribute to me getting in this pit? Because the truth is, that is the only thing that you are responsible for. Unfortunately, there is nothing we can do about the things that people have done to us. There's, there's really nothing we can do. We can't change what has happened. But what we can do is we could change the things that we did to contribute. And although Joseph looks like he's a victim in this situation, the truth is he did contribute. Now, don't get me wrong. What his brothers did was terrible and awful, and there we are not for a second justifying what they did. But he did contribute to himself getting in the pit. And I'll prove it to you. There's another story early on where Joseph is not long before this. Joseph is basically working with his brothers in the field. Now, remember, Joseph is the 11th boy out of 12. So he is down on the list. He is very, very young. All his brothers are not only older than him, but they are professionals at what they do. And in this story, what essentially happens is everybody is working and Joseph decides he does not like what he sees. So he feels the need to go back and tell dad and give dad a bad report about how everybody else is working. You see, Joseph struggled with extreme pride and arrogance. Joseph struggled with extreme pride and arrogance. He felt at that moment... At 17, at the youngest boy, he felt at that moment that he had the authority to judge how well his brothers were doing. In that moment, he felt that he had the authority to tell everybody else how to do You know what that's like? That's like you in your office. That's like the intern walking in and telling the CEO or the head guy, hey, look, I don't like the way Bill's doing his job. Like, it's, I could do a way better job than that. I just need you to know how bad he is and how good... I am. All right, so this is, this is where Joseph's mindset is at. This is where he's at. This is how he's contributing to getting himself in the pit. You know what, parents, you know what that's like? I just need to elicit a little bit of, I need to stir up a little bit of anger in you guys. You know what that's like, parents, you know what that's like? Parents, that's like when you're holding your grandchild and your child tells you, hey, mom, dad, that's, that's not how you properly hold a child. Just, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I raised all four of you and your brothers. I know how to hold a child, okay? There's something about Joseph in that moment where he is like, I am the man. And not only am I the man, but I know more than everybody else knows. This is what he struggled with. He never asked himself the question, at least up until this point, what am I doing to contribute to all my brothers hating me? Like, well, Joseph, let me, Joseph, what are you doing to contribute to your brothers hating? As a matter of fact, let's go to verse 18 of this story. I want you to pay close attention to this. Bible says, now when they saw him afar off. Now, why would they see him afar off? Like, think in your mind, what was he wearing that his brothers could see him from that far away? If you saw somebody wearing a bright coat filled with many colors, you would see them walking from a distance, wouldn't you? He felt the need to constantly wear this coat and just remind, in case anybody forgot, he needed to remind everybody that he was the man. He needed to remind all his brothers that he was the favorite. He, the Bible says that he wore that coat all the time. For all we know, it was hot 
There was no need for a coat. But he decided, I'm going to wear this coat because I want everybody to know how I'm. Imagine me at the dinner table with this. Hey, Ruben, can you pass the gravy? And oh, yeah, I'm the favorite. Thank you. All right. So he just feels the need to remind everybody that he is the favorite. This is what he struggled with. And this is what God needed to work out of him. It is so easy for us to get into the pit and ask, whose fault is this? Who did what to me that caused me to get into the pit? But the truth is, if we take an honest, hard look at the situation, chances are there is something that we have done to contribute. And that is the very thing that we can do something about. Now, Having said all that, the second thing is going to have some tension with the first thing. Because what I do know about the pit of life, when I do, what I do know about when things are going awful and when things are not good, what I do know is that we are extremely vulnerable when that happens. Isn't that the truth? We are extremely vulnerable. We are in a position where we have the ability to just kick ourselves while we are down. Now, the enemy, Satan also recognizes his opportunity. You see, it is at the vulnerable place in the pit that Satan's going to take his opportunity and try to keep you there. Because the last thing that Satan wants, the last thing that the enemy wants is for you to fulfill the dream that God has placed on your heart. That is the last thing that he wants. So when you're in the pit of life, when things are going awful, when things are just terrible in life, you are going to hear things like this. You are going to hear things like you are no good and you never were. You are not a good parent and your kids are always going to be crazy. Not only are you broke, but you're always going to be broke because it is in Satan's best interest to keep you in that pit. And the way that we fight against this is this. We learn to discern the lies of the pit. And here's how we do that. I'm going to give you the secret on how we do that. When you're in the pit and life is vulnerable, and things are just going bad. And you're hearing these thoughts. You're hearing these things. You, you, you're just feeling lower than low. You need to know this, that Satan is going to try to keep you there. And he is going to talk down to you. You're going to have some of the worst thoughts you've ever had in the pit. And here's the thing about Satan, too. He has the audacity to not even kick you while you're down, but he has the audacity to, to judge God at the same time. He has the audacity to say, you know what? Not only are you no good, but what, what happened to your God? I, I, I thought he was supposed to get you out of this pit. I, I, thought, you got, I thought you and God had an agreement. Wasn't that your I, Not only are you no good, but apparently your God's no good. That's what Satan has the audacity to do. Satan's going to kick you while you're down and offer no hope. And what you need to do is you need to learn to discern the lies of the pit. And how you do that is this is that it's also in that moment that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, all right? And what the Holy Spirit is going to do is, is the Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will tell us, you know what? Yes, what you did was wrong, but there's always hope. And by God, we are going to get you out of this pit. You see, Satan wants, wants to kick you while you're down, and Satan's never going to offer you any hope. Because he knows if there's no hope, there's going to be no energy to get out of this pit. But the Holy Spirit is going to be like, yes, you do, you, you, you have contributed to this, but by God, there is hope. There is hope for your kids. There is hope for your finances. There is hope for your family. There is hope for your career. There is hope for you. And what I want you to do is I want you to completely reject 
the lies of the pit. Because I know there's tension with number one here. Because when we ask ourselves, how do we contribute to ourselves getting in the pit? I want you guys to make that a habit. But it's in that moment when we are vulnerable, when things are going wrong, I want you to reject the lies of the pit. Because the truth is, with, with God's help, we can get out of any pit in life. The Holy Spirit will always offer you hope. So if you ever hear anything, if you ever have a thought that is completely hopeless, know the source. Know what the source is of that hopeless thought. That is the enemy, and it is in his best interest to keep you down there. But know the source. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is always going to offer you hope, because with God, there is always hope. Amen? All right. Now, the last and final thing is I'm sure when you are in the pit, it's very easy to ask why. I mean, we are just, why, God? Why? why, why? And, and that's okay. God can handle it. Just so you know, when you question God, God can absolutely handle your questions. So it's okay to ask why. It's okay to question, God, how did I end up here? What is going on? And the truth is, he, here's the purpose of the pits of life. Because there's got to be some purpose, right? I mean, to go through all of this, to, to, to hit some of the lowest points in life, there's, there's got to be a purpose. If God has a purpose on all of your lives, there's got to be a reason behind this. There's got to be a reason we're going through these things. There's got to be a reason the walls are closing in. And, and here's the truth. Here's the truth. The pit is designed, the pits of life are designed to get us to such a low point that we could not possibly get out on our own. The pits are designed to get us to a point so low in life that we could not possibly get out on our own. You know, I find it... I find it ironic that if you imagined yourself in an actual pit, you're surrounded by garbage and dirt on all sides. You, you, you just everywhere you look, that's where you're surrounded by. I find it ironic that the only hope that you have is to look up. Because when you look up, that's when you see the sky. That's when you see your only way out. And granted, that's how it works literally in a pit. And I hope you never end up in a pit literally. But if you ever do, that's your only hope, isn't it? The only hope is to look up. And that's the idea, you guys. The idea of when we are in the pits of life, please hold on to this thought right here. That God is absolutely there. And the whole point of this the whole point is for us to submit and us to say, God, you are God, and I am not, and I need you. And it's when you do that that we will start making our way out of the pit. Now, in closing, I want to do something really quickly here. I want all of you to dream with me, okay? I want all of you to dream with me. I want all of you to think about that thing that you know that God has placed on your heart. I want all of you to think about that thing that you know God has for your life. It could be, it could be about your family. It could be about your career. It could be about your life's purpose. It could be who you believe that you are going to bring to the kingdom of God. Whatever it is, I just want you to dream for a second. I just want put that thought at the forefront of your mind. Now, with that thought at the forefront of your mind, I want you to know this, that with God, there is still hope. Because some of you are in a pit of life right now. 
Some of you are in, some of you got yourself into multiple pits of life at the same time. Some of you are in multiple places where it's just dark and, and you don't know what's going to happen next. Remember the dream that God has placed on your heart because it is with God that there is still hope. And what I know is that God has placed a purpose on all of your lives. And with him, you can still make that dream a reality. That with God, you can take that dream and you could climb out of the pit and you can make that dream a reality. When you find yourself in the low points of life, I want you to ask yourself, how, what did I do to contribute to myself getting in this pit? And the second thing I want you to do is I want you to remember to reject the lies of the pit. It is in the enemy's best interest to keep you in that pit. So he is going to lie to you and do whatever he can to keep you down. And I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And lastly, remember... That it is the whole purpose of the pit is for us to get to a point where we tell God, God, you are God and I am not. And it is when we do that, that God can take our dream, even when we're in a pit of life, even when things are going wrong, even when things are awful and terrible. It is at that moment that God could begin to make the dream that he has placed on our, our hearts and make that a reality. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, we, we, we thank you that no matter where we are in life, that with you there is always hope. God, because some of us have seen some very dark and deep pits. Some of us are in some very dark and deep pits. Some of us have children who are in very dark and deep pits. But God, remind us to reject the lies of the pit and to completely and solely focus on you, God, because it is only with you that we have any hope. God, remind us that in the moments of the pit that you are there. And my hope for each and all, every one of these people out here, God, my hope is that they will remember that at the lowest points of life. That they will remember no matter what, God, that you are there with them, that you are for them, that you are investing in their lives, God, and that dream is still alive. God, I pray that they remember. I pray that you reawaken the dream that is on New Beginnings Church and all the people in New Beginnings Church. God, I pray that you reawaken that dream and you remind us that with you, we can still make that dream a reality is in your precious son's name in Jesus name that we pray and everybody said amen give God a big hand clap this morning